0: Chapter Sixteen of the Book of Love, by Paolo Montegazza. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Love in relation to temperaments, of the ways of loving, two. Tender love. This love is more frequently felt by men of mild and gentle character. It has shaded outlines and little relief emotion surprises them for the slightest cause tears are always ready to gush forth at the first impulse of joy or sorrow a perennial compassion and an inexhaustible tenderness drown declarations of love ardours of voluptuousness, and outbursts of affection in a most sweet sea of milk and honey tender love is suppliant lachrymose and faithful it often touches the boundaries of sensual love but never enters that sea under full sail it is a love that is frequently constant and trustworthy almost as immutable as an old and serene friendship it has however a tendency to being disconsolate and mournful if not querulous and it sighs sobs or weeps too often nevertheless it is capable of wonderful expansiveness which however interminable is pregnant with intense joy and sweet solace and predisposes us to universal benevolence to philanthropy to forgiveness it is a christian evangelical love that delights more in a caress than in a kiss and in lingering kisses more than in sudden battles its most aesthetic forms are found in the woman whom we readily exculpate from a certain weakness and who may even swoon without making herself ridiculous persons with fair complexion germans and lymphatic creatures love in this way contemplative love a high aesthetic sense an irresistible tendency to inertness and limited genital needs constitute the soil in which germinate and grow the various forms of contemplative love it is a lofty love too lofty it has something of the mystic and the supernatural the lover places his idol very high and prostrates himself before it lavishing upon it every kind of adoration and incense contemplative love is situated in the anterior lobes of the brain it affects but slightly the sombre depths of the heart and hardly skims over the warm wave of voluptuousness it lives on ecstasies and contemplations and making of the creature it loves a god or a goddess it forgets too frequently that the god comprehends a human male the goddess a human female this sublime forgetfulness makes of this love the greatest cuckold ever known because nature can neither be forgotten nor offended with impunity and while one adores and is absorbed in admiration in the temple the warlike and rapacious love profanes the tabernacle and carries off the god contemplative love lives on the frontiers of pathology and properly belongs to arcadic, fanatic and mystic persons disillusioned and betrayed they accuse love of simony and falsehood when they themselves are only too guilty of having caused their own sorrows and their own bitter disappointments sensual love this is one of the most ardent most inebriating most tenacious of loves because it springs from the most fruitful and spontaneous source of sensual affections it is the most sincere and most powerful of loves because it satisfies one of the most natural and most irresistible needs of man but its foundation rests on a shifting ground beauty and its ardours are indicated by too deep a note desire it never lies it does not wrap itself in the hundred cloaks of amorous hypocrisy but is nude entirely nude and in its nudity often modest brazen or tender insatiable or satisfied rash to the point of insolence it is however always itself the tremendous attraction of two great and opposite organic units a burning thirst that seeks the cool water of the alpine spring the most vigorous clash of the two most gigantic forces in the world of the living from voluptuousness new voluptuousness if youthful strength does not accompany it it usually slides into lasciviousness where it sinks deeper each day that passes and with the decline of each force and down down it plunges until it reaches the filth of domestic libertinism or that of the wandering venus it is inexhaustible in discoveries and inventions indefatigable in voluptuousness it is also a sublime artist it may emit high musical notes of tenderness and show warm and fascinating tints Born in the lowest depths of the animal man it rarely rises to the high spheres of the ideal and knows no dignity no delicacy no heroism rather it is often suppliant to the point of baseness impure to nausea it accepts a bone to gnaw just as it accepts voluptuousness without love it does not matter to central love whether voluptuousness is reached by the sole moral path of love but it accepts it also through this way it seeks it by all possible ways and it conquers steals buys love it goes even so far as to borrow it to commit forgery provided it gets it let its insatiable prurience be but appeased and sensual love will act as mediator or pander for the loves of others become usurer thief and forger with the same callousness this love is generally masculine in women even licentiousness always dons a splendid robe of sentiment and hides its too insolent nudity ferocious love perhaps the term which is applied to this love is stronger than it should be but in painting a psychical picture one is irresistibly inclined to exaggerate the colouring or the outlines and give the subject more relief than it has in nature abnormal development of the sense of ownership amplified by conceit and joined to a certain impetuosity of character such is the most natural source of all those violent loves which i class under the common name of ferocious love its birth is nearly always like the eruption of a volcano and accompanied by so many storms and fits of affection and such clashing of energies that one would suppose that instead of a love a hatred had come into existence and this original sin follows it through life and ends only with death we see this love distribute handshakes with such strength that we say they are titanic convulsions kisses that seem bites embraces that look like homicides and we behold it as a tyrant without jealousy a fury without anger insatiable even after possession because voluptuousness does not calm nor fidelity always satisfy it venus triumphant and not disarmed would represent this love in all the sublime greatness of its forces if kindness of habits or the patient file of education does not succeed in smoothing its angles it often becomes rugged and even brutal so must have loved our most remote ancestors of the caves of the palisades who continuously bathed in the blood of hunt and war and stained their hands with blood and love as well as woman also was the prey belonging to the strongest and most audacious as it is easy to imagine man generally is the one who loves ferociously but woman too occasionally feels this cruel form of love and the more attached she is to her lover the more she torments him and the deeper she plunges the claws of her passion into the depths of his body to feel its heat and to say with voluptuous fury this too is mine proud love this form is a binary combination of one part of love and ten parts of self-love when proud love is satisfied when it is in all the pomp of its happiness it may appear as a pure great sublime love but as soon as self-love suffers a sting it froths and swells like a snail or a basilisk and shows the dual nature of its energy in all its nudity even in the few moments when this affection is entirely happy it never betokens it nor does it abandon itself to an unrestrained confession of beatitude or bliss for the same reason that the rustic never admits that he admires new and great things proud love thinks more of being loved than of loving it always speaks of rights and often does not know of duties rich in exactions and poor in consideration it swells up with pride if fortunate and murmurs at the slightest suspicion it is the most jealous of loves and among the most unhappy among the poorest in sweet abandonments and ingenuous voluptuousness even in the most secret intimacy it never unfolds its thoughts for fear of ridicule or of spoiling a crease of the starched pollutament in which it has wrapped itself it is never the first to concede a caress but expects it as a right and a duty it is a love which to be approached requires infinite attentions ceremonies formalities which quickly becomes tiresome and often disgusting it exacts fidelity not as a dear reciprocation of affection but as a right of its own dignity and easily pardons such sins as the world does not become aware of it is a sterile barren sickly love excoriated love because of its origins this form of love is often confounded with the preceding but it is still more unhappy and rightfully belongs to the pathology of the heart it is a love that can be sincere tender and passionate but it is so irritable and such a grumbler that a mosquito would annoy it and a pebble in its path cause it to cry against misfortune and treachery like the epicurean of old it cannot sleep unless a folded rose-leaf is placed in its bed it also seeks like all human affections the goal of its aspirations but never reaches it because suspicion susceptibility and fear stop it at every step freeze the words on its lips weaken its arms in the embrace extinguish its flame when hardly lighted i compare this affection with a saint bartholomew obliged to walk among brambles and over rocks bristling with points and for this reason i have given it the strange and new name of excoriated love the french would call it an amour mauvais coucheur it is perhaps the most wretched of loves because besides the natural misfortunes which are the inevitable lot of every daughter of eve and every son of adam it creates its own troubles and enlarges them with the lens of the most unhappy imagination excoriated love is a fatal still which transforms rose petals into poison ivy honey into wormwood aroma into fetidness, nourishment into venom if kissed it murmurs because the kiss was too violent or too cold if caressed it suspects that the caress may have had a second end in view even in the ecstasies of creation it would ask of the creator why he had made the light so soon or so late whoever is loved by these unfortunates has always the right to address them with the words of the courtesan of venice to the unhappy and mad philosopher of geneva zanito zanito ti non ti ex fato per fa johnny johnny you are not made to make love and yet these unfortunate creatures love and love deeply and it is the enviable glory of powerful lovers to cure and win them over to the point of making them confess that at least once in their lives they were truly faithfully and passionately loved it is one of the most admirable triumphs of the amatory art to find a fabric so fine that it can touch the excoriated flesh of those poor unfortunates and create for them an artificial atmosphere in which they may be able to move without groaning breathe without coughing and live without cursing life these forms of love which i have poorly outlined are but rarely found in nature in a simple state but are complicated and interwoven with each other forming a thousand pictures a real mine of resources for art a veritable treasure of torments for the psychological thinker no man loves like another and no man loves perfectly in the manner in which the type of a sublime love can be idealized in the regions of thought of our brain the perfect harmony of one love lacks a note of sensuality that of another a tone of energy one is too restless another too languid a third too violent even the most fortunate creatures those who possess a just measure of voluptuousness of sentiment and of poetry even those who know they are loved ardently and faithfully aspire to a love more perfect than that which they feel and better than that which they receive and when this thirst for the ideal does not induce us to violate the compact of fidelity we should not complain because love too must obey the common law which compels us ever to aspire to purer regions richer in splendours and warmer with ardours at early dawn love awaits the promise of a warm noon and in the burning sultriness looks forward with eager anticipation to the cool twilight of the evening it is spurred by that impulse which drives forward men and things matter and force and the bliss of to-day expects a more intense voluptuousness for to-morrow if this unquenchable thirst for the better should cease in us it would be simply because life is spent in us if the irresistible desire for a higher love should cease it would be simply because as light to the blind the heavenly regions of the ideal those regions where numberless targets are gathered at which are aimed the glances and the arrows of the human family have all at once been closed to us End of chapter sixteen